When Shamrock Rovers got one back, tears came to my eyes. When we went two went up and I heard those thousands of Sligo people, I was proud and we went out and won. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Gilani. North. Elding. 3-2. They'll be looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson! 1-1. Welcome along to episode number 114 of the Bitter Red Supporters Trust podcast. Ronan Flanagan here this week. Today I'll be joined by Donald Kelly. Donald, how's things? All right, Ronan, now thanks. And Jerry Connor, Jerry, how are you? Um, why don't you introduce me first? You always introduce the person that comes on first, first. So we'll go again for that, will we? You're just being a prick, Jerry. Not like you. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> well, this week, we'll look back on the women's game, their semi-final defeat to Athlone Town in the FAI Cup semi-final. We'll discuss the latest news, and we'll also follow in the announcement of Andrew Feekins as the club's new CEO. He stops by, and he'll give us a rundown of what attracted him to the role as CEO. And also look ahead to two upcoming men's games, Two in the space of a few days at Stuntock at home on Friday at the showgrounds, followed by Pats away at Richmond Park on Monday. So, lads, we'll go back to last Saturday, historic day for the club, Donald, on Saturday, the Women's Cup semi final. Um, I suppose it was disappointing to get to the feet, get to the feet, but there were certainly plenty to be encouraged by as well. As there was running, like I suppose, first and foremost, it was a fantastic achievement um, to to reach the semi final and only their second season. So they deserve huge huge credit for that. Um, the game itself, it certainly wasn't a four 0 game, in my opinion. Um, I suppose a dubious penalty decision was it in the box, was not. I don't know. It was a very very soft penalty decision anyway. And then uh, shortly before half time, just a kind of a freak goal. I really took the wind out of our sails. But we played some great football. We could have taken the lead early on. Um, I think, like, if if uh, one of the Atlanta Town defenders made a great block, uh, Emmett Darty had a shot there um, in the opening couple of minutes of the game. And had that have gone in, like, it would have been a different story. Say. Like every other game in the League of Ireland, first goal is always massive. But certainly... You know, it's it it the the scoreline didn't reflect the performance, and um, as you said, Ronan, uh, plenty of positives to take out of it. And Jerry, uh, a large attendance at the showgrounds on on last Saturday was that was great to see as well. Yeah, um, a crowd of almost twelve hundred, which was you know great considering it was kind of up against the rugby um, on the same evening. So uh, it was really encouraging to see so many families that uh, that attended as well, and. Yeah, it was a really nice atmosphere and fair play to be called out to Forza, who turned up in great numbers and created a great atmosphere. Um, so, yeah, look, as, as, as Don said, it was a great achievement to get there. And, you know, it, there's lots, lots and lots to build on. Um, it was, again, it was, look, it was never a 4-0 game. The penalty 
you know, I, I don't really go too much into these things, but I do definitely think that 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 was that call was outside the box. And then just right before half time, you get a wicked deflection, and all of a sudden it's kind of game over. Um, yeah, so that that was disappointing, but lots of positives to take from it, and it was real great atmosphere, great occasion, and uh, looking forward to more of it in the future. And I think we will see more of it in the future. I know we said kind of multiple times that you know it's a very young squad, and you could definitely see that the difference between the Rover squad and the Atlone Town squad and that they were the that Lone squad were very mature. Like they were grown women. Um and I think that stood to them in the end. And Donald, we kind of mentioned that and sir, I suppose the final point would be that a lot of I suppose it was younger children with their with their parents and their guardians and whoever, I suppose you're you're looking to attract them into the showgrounds and hopefully that it sent out the right message to them. Like, you know, I know the result on the pitch wasn't what we were looking for, but uh, certainly an occasion for them to enjoy. Absolutely, absolutely, Ronan. Like, you know, if, from, I suppose, the build-up during the week, you could sense, I suppose, the, the excitement creeping in around the showgrounds. Um, like, multiple, multiple families. I know myself and Jerry were working in the coffee shop, and honest to God, I've never seen so many hot chocolates. I was going to say that. Life. I was oh my that's, god. That was that's absolutely. an attraction, how you see? Your unbelievable. hot chocolates. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable. Does Signature. that just tell you the amount the, the amount of uh young people that were at were that were at the game? And just like like you said there, Ronan, like hopefully like something has, has uh, struck a chord with them that they'll keep coming back because they're guaranteed entertainment. Um and hot like, chocolate. And hot chocolate. The best hot chocolate <laughs> in the town <laughs> Baron on. <laughs> we will uh, say we were laughing that we were going to dream. We'd be dreaming about making hot chocolates in our sleep that night. Like we made so many of them. So swimming in it, swimming in it. Swimming we actually ran out. Of, we actually ran out of milk twice uh, to make hot chocolates. On, on yeah, nice. we used sixteen liters of milk that that evening. Yeah, anyway, unbelievable. A lot of hot chocolates. We'll have to buy a cow. Yeah, that's the next job, Jerry. We have to milk Benny the bull. <laughs> <laughs> be no good to us. No. <laughs> uh, but uh, there's just one. I don't want to. I know there's I, the townie I, coming out in you now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing that I, I thought the referee was dire. I have to say, absolutely shocking. Why? And Drew, uh, I see. Look, at, uh, unfortunately, Ronan, you were involved in the semi-final of uh, of uh, of a ladies' game last season. And we're undone by some really bad officiating in that game too. And it's, it's history repeated itself, unfortunately, um, on, on Saturday night. Wasn't to be. Um, but look at next year. I hope that I suppose the big the big thing now is uh, and the big job for Steve and his uh, management team is to kind of keep keep that squad together because certainly there's a lot of potential there. There's a lot of young talent there. And uh, sometimes you learn more from a defeat than you do from a win. So Maybe this season might have been just a season too early for them, but next year I'm expecting great things from them, and uh, I have no doubt that they're going to uh, give us a lot of great memories next season. So, yeah, and I, I think that as well for the players to look, they can obviously take great pride. And Keats or Steve, sorry, spoke about it. I'm thinking about his brother there, but uh, Steve spoke about it last year. You know, like the girls came in in January. January, February, and they've been working hard all the season. 
Um, and you can definitely see, you know, coming towards the latter end of the season, the improvement. Um, and I genuinely do think that if they stick together, that this team will go places because, again, come back to the point in that they're the, I know we've made it up to times, but they're so young and you could see the difference between them and their own team. Uh, the other thing that I would take from it for the squad and Steve and, and all those, you know, the there's so much, there was so much interest in the game. There was, everybody was talking about it. Everybody wanted them to do well. Everybody knows about them. Everybody, you know, loves the team and so much, you know, time for them. And, you know, there's no better club than, than, than Sligo Rose to be playing for, you know, um, you know, you reap that 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 reward and that, I suppose, uh, affection. You know, from from the public. So um, you look, uh, things things are on an upward curve as far as, as far as I can see, and it's become ingrained in the club the the women's team. Right, lads, we we'll move on now to the latest news. Jerry, uh, today Wednesday, saw the launch of. A new retro jersey. Yeah, so we launched it at seven o'clock this evening, and I think the website crashed about oh within five minutes of it going live. So uh, due to the traffic on the on the website, um, a bit of a disaster. Um, but I know Keith McGinley is working on the website, and he had been working on it the last couple of days to make sure that it would be able to handle the traffic. Uh, obviously it wasn't, but um, look, hopefully tomorrow, by the time you hear this, it'll be sorted and everybody will get what they're looking for. Uh, look, it's a Rovers retro jersey, just priced at €45. Euros. Uh, great value, classic, an absolute classic. So, yeah, hopefully we, we get everything sorted. We'll run through the academy results for the weekend just gone. So... The men's under seventeens they defeated Drada by goal to nil away from home. The goal in that game was scored by Corey McKay Lavery. Scored the goal, so well done to Corey. He certainly has uh, scored plenty of goals this season. So the under seventeens are are going well. They I think they've they finished off their league campaign. So kind of waiting the the details for the remainder of the season. Um, elsewhere, our women's under seventeen team they unfortunately were were. Their season finished on Saturday. Um, they were defeated, well, they didn't nil after extra time against uh, Carlo Kilkenny combination. They lost 4-1 on penalties. So, unfortunately, for girls, hard luck there. Sorry, Ron, I believe they were very lucky in that game as well. Um, apparently, the Carlo Kilkenny keeper had an absolute blinder game. Uh, the, the, and and uh, that's, that's what kept them in it all. Tough luck to them. I know they were devastated. We've seen them coming in off the pitch there on uh, Saturday as well, and they were devastated, so commiserated. Uh. Elsewhere, um, the men's under-15 team, they were defeated 1-0 at home to Bray. So a disappointment for them in that game. One other more academy update, uh, Jody Lockery, who is part of our women's senior squad. She has been selected for the Republic of Ireland under-19 squad. They have European qualifiers coming up. So best of luck, Jody, and best of luck to the Ireland team there. And as well as that, Kiva Flynn, as we mentioned last week, got caught up by the Ireland in her 17s. Uh, she played the three games, three European qualifiers in a week. Now, unfortunately, they lost all three games, and Kiva was also 
sent off for a handball in the box earlier on today um, in their final defeat. So Kiba will be back, hopefully back playing for Rovers in, well, this weekend, maybe for the under 19s or or for the next senior game. But uh, that's probably the latest we have for you for the academy games. Uh, there is fixtures this weekend. Uh, on Saturday, the men's under-17s, they're playing Galway United. That game's at 1 o'clock that game in the showground. So if you're at a loose end, come down to that. Elsewhere, the uh, boys under-14s, under if you have a fancy trip to Longford, I know uh, <laughs> it wouldn't be the most attractive place to go to. But uh, they play Longford away from home in the under-14 competition on Saturday at half eleven. Then on Sunday, uh, there's men's under 19s there at home to Club Kildare actually at one o'clock uh, in the showgrounds as well. So vested up there, lads. And the women's under 19s, they're also in action. They play Wexford Youths on Sunday at half past four. So best of luck to all our academy sides this weekend. And sure, we'll report back to you next week with more updates on how they got on. Right, delighted to say now, joined by newly appointed CEO of Sligo Rovers, Andy Feekins. Andy, welcome to Sligo Rovers and welcome to the Boris podcast. Well, I hope this won't be the last. Uh, it's certainly the first. So I'm very happy to join you guys. And uh, I'll, I'll start by saying I have realised how much the Boris group do now for the club and it's... Uh, it's absolutely incredible. You know, the support you guys are giving the club is is immense. And uh, I want to thank one and everyone for that. So, Andy, we've heard about your backstory. We've we've read about it during the week. and But first of all, what is your vision for Sligo Rovers? Oh, that's a really wide question. Thanks for that one. For the first one up. Uh, look, my first key task here is is to really get to know the dna of the club and the people um there's no doubt that in terms of aspirations we all want the same thing we want sligo rovers at the top of the league qualifying for europe every every year uh challenging for cups challenging for championships of course anyone who is competitive and believe me, I'm a very competitive guy. Everyone wants that. So that that's obviously ultimately the goal. But the vision, um, I think, comes down to what is John, what is Connor, what are the groups in the club want to achieve over what time period? And my job will be to try and facilitate the delivery of that for them. Um, you know, this is not a one-man show this is this is a group a big group of people pulling together in one direction so in terms of vision of course the master plan is huge uh it was a great attraction to me when that was discussed um so i think that yeah let's say we want to be in there challenging for europe that's the first thing working towards ultimately getting a championship and a cup you know that's that's every players and managers and Owner's dreams, I'm sure. Andy, you touch on um, the relationship with John and Connor. In regards then to 
like the everyday dealings of a football club. We had John on previously and he's speaking about, you know, he has so many jobs within the club, you know, because there is no director of football as such or head scout and bits and pieces like that. How do you hope to help in in regard to maybe easing the pressure on John in, in those areas? Yeah, look, it's a good question. Again, I think the, the challenge with this is I am not a skilled football manager. John has to be the person who's at the head of this, leading and guiding the vision of the football that's played on the park and, and how we're going to make sure that Sligo Rovers win matches. But there's a lot of backstory stuff to this. So today, for example, we were discussing nutrition. We were discussing uh, player monitoring, heartbeat, mileage, this sort of stuff, you know, what they're doing in their training routine. So if I can ease the pressure by finding either sponsors or cost-effective solutions for him and the team, that's going to be part of my role. Uh, Of course, with budgets comes significant challenge. If you start to reduce budgets, challenges arise. So bringing in, um, you know, as you mentioned, scouts or specialists, nutritionalists or extra physios or any of these type of guys, that all has to come and eat into a budget, which means one, two, three less players that can play on the pitch. So ultimately it's striking that balance, finding what works coming up with as many innovative solutions to deliver what John needs. And that's really my job, I think, is is to be as creative as possible and take as much of that pressure off as possible. But, you know, quite frankly, the main key parts of the running of the, the football team has to sit with John. I will do whatever I can and whatever he asks me to do to, to support that. And coming into a time of the season as well, Andy, where... You know, it's dwindling down. This is the League of Ireland. Contracts are constantly expiring year in, year out. It's not like the Premier League or that where they're on long-term deals. We're coming mm. into a situation where we're probably looking at a lot of the current squad is going to be out of contract come the end of the season. And obviously, we're as you've already touched on, budget restraints next year. How do you find the negotiation process now going forward for next year? How do you feel you're, you're ready to to deal with that going forward? Okay, I think the the ultimate decision on which players to bring in and which players to go will be John's. Um, Ultimately, he'll come back to me as well and say, right, we need to get this guy. These are the basic terms. And I will need to finalise those details, get a sign-off from the management committee. I think the, you know, the budgetary assessment will also set set sit quite heavily with John as it probably should do. He needs that clarity, but of course it always goes back to the committee. Uh, now, when it comes to contract negotiations, a lot of that, as you probably know, has been handled for years with, with Colin and other people in the, in the management committee. I'm not going to start trying to jump in here and put my big feet all over that. I think, you know, Colin's already been handling some of that stuff whilst having departed. And, you know, from everyone I've spoken to, he did an incredible job. He was, a you know, a Sligo man through and through. I got big shoes to fill. But, you know, I think we have to be realistic about what I can get involved in and how much I can take over that quickly. 
I need to get this first two or three months under my belt. I've got to get to know the club, the people, what people really are wanting me to do, and then try and deliver that for them. Uh, when it comes to ultimately that last contract deal, you know, that will get signed off by John and the management committee, but I'll be following it closely so I start to learn the process. Slightly staying on contracts, but um, in regards to the youth setup as well involving Connor, is a situation we've seen throughout all League of Ireland clubs is the minimum fee release clause. Now, obviously, it's an agent situation where we are kind of have our hands tied at times, but is this something that you'd like to stamp out and try and remove and that we can get the best deal for the club rather than as such the best deal for the player? Yeah, look, it's a very good point. Um, I have been talking to Connor a lot about the the aspirations for the academy. He is a, a tremendous programme being put together right now. There are conversations going on uh, at the highest levels where potential additional funding could be created. We've already had meetings with some of our sponsors for the uh, the academy. And obviously all of this comes together to say that we don't want to be letting good young talent go across the pond or elsewhere if we can help it. The more of those players that we can bring through to create a good spine of talent into the first team for the ladies and the women, uh, sorry, ladies and the men, um, is, is crucial. Uh, you know, if we look at the club as a whole over the years, always had a, a nice, solid core of good local talent. I don't think I can comment specifically on these release clauses without understanding them fully, but I will certainly look into it. Um, and if there's anything that can be done to protect the assets that we have developed, I will do my utmost to do that. I guess as well, though, Andy, that it's a it's a league wide problem, and it's probably not something that can be fixed, kind of, with the flick of a switch. But it's definitely something that um it would be great that we kind of could maybe work towards. But just kind of moving on, then. So, do you like say where does Sligo Rovers as a community based model fit in in terms of modern football? And do you think there's growth for Sligo Rovers within modern football under the current model? I personally believe that, you know, if we're sitting now uh, as Premier League community-owned club, that's a badge of honour. That's a flag that you can stick in the ground and say, look at this. Now, that will bring its challenges, of course. It will make it more difficult to compete with the bigger boys. But you only have to look back in, in past history when you have clubs that rip up the rule book and don't have big budgets, but still go out and make an impact in their varying leagues. It's happened in the UK a good number of times. Um, sometimes survival is success until you're ready to take that next, next step. And as you also know, with only 10 teams in a league, uh, you've got an opportunity that if you, if you string three, four, five good results together, it can make a huge difference in terms of the league position, the player's mindset and mentality, 
the fear that it puts into the other clubs as they see, you know, these results being put together. I'm a great believer that, you know, it, you know, it, it can be a, a Goliath uh, type of situation. You, you can slay the giant. Um, I have no reason to believe that a community club can't compete. It may be more difficult, but I've got a lot of belief in in the vision that that John has got. I think he puts uh, a lot of time and effort into the team uh, ethos and, and the style of play that will please the the crowd when it's when it's done well. Um, ultimately, you've got to get players then to deliver it. But I have no reason to believe that a community model can't be competitive. Do you think that the community model would be attractive to? say, you know, companies, uh, multinational companies that are out there, and do you think that that would distort the community model if we were to kind of um, attract that investment? I strongly believe we've got a very um, compelling story. The community model side of it actually, again, separates you from the millionaire owner clubs. Um, you know, when I've talked to one or two of the sponsors already, you know, the fact that we have aspirations to build a much better community liaison development program, the investment that people put in like yourselves and the, the other volunteers in the club, you know, that that's an attractive thing for them to talk about, as well as the investment in the academy the development of these kids uh companies like to see that and you know i don't think it's secret to say that you know we're talking to one or two very interesting uh partnerships or partners that will help us from a community standpoint where we start to really pick up a lot of traction in guiding and supporting youth development and kids. Uh, I've come from that background myself as a, a heading up a, a charity. And I saw firsthand what a charity that focuses and invests in, in the youth that are disadvantaged, that are disillusioned. I've seen how it can change people's lives. And it, it's an incredible thing. And what that does, it bonds and creates community. And when you create community, you have a lot more strength than someone just throwing a load of dollars around or bucks around or whatever. I think that with the long-term strategic view of investing back into the club as much as possible, we have a good a shot, as good a shot as anyone. Just in terms of um, volunteerism, like Rovers have, you know, I suppose a 96-year history of of strong volunteerism within the club. And maybe down through the years, at times, there was kind of people maybe might have been reluctant to get involved with the club or, I don't know, for whatever reason or, or anything like that. But I think from, from my own thoughts is that for us to be, to, for, for our model to work, we need to get more people involved and more volunteers and reach out to people that are kind of maybe sitting on the fence and, you know, kind of bring them, bring them 
more into the club and, and more along with us. And what would you say to to those people that are maybe reluctant or um, maybe 50-50 about coming forward or, you know? Well, having just come into the club, I think the goodwill, the enthusiasm, the commitment and the buy-in to the club is, is just fantastic. I mean, it, it, it's a family. It's a home. I would say to anyone, come and check it out. Great thing about volunteering is come and try it for a few weeks and you'll soon find out whether you like it or not. Uh, I believe seeing what people put in, you're absolutely right. We need additional people. We need probably to start hiring a few additional people. Now, this is budgetary constraint, but there are, are ways that we're doing it. You know, we'll, we'll do what we can. I, I'm a great believer that, you know, the digital marketplace, whether it be social media and or additional elements will make a huge difference. If we can get ourselves a really better branded website, we can really utilize social media better. If we can hire somebody and can afford to hire somebody that can help us out in those areas, our visibility as a club grows significantly. The buy-in from the community grows significantly. This means more bums on seats. It means more merchandise sales. It means as you get bigger crowds, you get better sponsors. Sponsors can get eyeballs on their brand. And having talked to LOI TV and also getting some figures about the RTE live games, RTE, they're getting 180, 100, 120,000 people watching those games. Now, sponsors that can have their name brandished around the club are getting incredible value for money. You know, they're getting real national exposure. And I, I think that's exciting. And I'll be pushing that to them, which is look at this. Um, and the LOI TV, when there's a break in, in the stream uh, at half time, you know, we've got availability to utilize those adverts to raise money. Um, there's no reason we can't do it. It's not been done before. Not many clubs have been doing it, but it's something I've seen straight away as being a real great opportunity for sponsors to get some really good branding out there. So, yeah, look, I, I know a lot of my answers to your questions are relatively lengthy because none of these are simplest, simplistic answers or simplistic problems. They are complex and detailed. They need a lot of work. Um, and I, I have to take time to think about everything and try and rule out wasting too much time focusing on the things that are actually going to hit the ground running as fast as possible. Andy, you touched on getting bums and seats. Obviously, with the master plan and the process and, you know, all going well, that will go ahead in, in a couple of years' time to completion. But in the meantime, we still need to get more people through the gates of the showgrounds as it is, you know, obviously to continue raising funds and stuff. What would your plans be as such or do you have a vision for that to get more people in the ground to create a better uh, all-around experience i don't know you know yeah, no, coming into the showgrounds yeah fan engagement it was something that i brought up at the uh, the interview stage with with the committee um the key to this ultimately is 
how do most people now communicate? How do people communicate with each other? It's it's social media related. So I see social media and our website being absolutely critical in creating that ongoing young fan base. I mean, you know, the guys that are in my sort of age, you know, you're either in love with a club or you're not, and you're coming or you're not, but it's the youngsters. And I think Connor has been doing a great job getting around the schools, you know, giving opportunities for clubs to bring their whole team in. Um, you know, that's that's creating, <coughs> excuse me, that's creating long-term future Rovers fans. And I think this is really important. It's got to come from the social media area. But again, as you get better games on the pitch, and this is where John's job is, is, is create an attractive brand of football, create a winning winning team, because people then start coming. Um, but, you know, all these things come together. But what we can do quickly, if we can get it right, is to get a better website, get better uh, social media outage with videos and, you know, getting uh, just continued interest. We've got, what, 37,000 people on Facebook. You know, I, I'd love to see, you know, 25% of them turning up every week. That would be marvellous. But, you know, it, it's it's a it's a process of assessment. Having read a number of other uh, CEOs in the, the football game talk about fan development and, and sponsorship and, more importantly, getting bums on seats, it, it's not a case of flick a switch and get an extra thousand in. It's a trickle effect. It's a knock-on effect. And developing that is, is going to be crucial. The strategic long-term plan, not try and get a fast fix. Yeah, I think um, D- uh, David Comey, who's on the on the management committee and obviously is a volunteer as well, he was over at um, Athletic, Athletic Bilbao last week. That's over, right, yeah. Yeah, for a fan, for a conference on fan engagement and how to develop community links and stuff like that. And um, I suppose that's stuff that people don't always see or hear or things like that. But there is a lot of work going on in the background, um, which is which is great to see. And it's, you know, you not, you can always learn from others. And um, so fair juice to, to David for heading over there. Yeah, I think David's um, feedback on that has been really interesting. You know, I think he shares my enthusiasm for uh, the, the, the improvement of websites, social media, etc. Um, but also, let, let's cut back to the community community side. That you know, he's come back with a lot of very interesting opportunities and ideas that will need to be thought through and discussed and, and ideally imp- implemented. But this will also go hand in hand also with the academy and getting young people into the academy that, you know, have a chance of becoming key players in the future. So I, I certainly want to digest it. I haven't seen the full report, but, you know, you're absolutely right. The commitment that he's made there to go out and take a week out of his time I'm sure it was great fun in Spain, but even so, you know, you're there to gather information and learn. He picked it up and he's taken some great stuff away and it sounds really interesting, but we'll have to wait and see what can be done. Andy, do you feel there's a market to be um, touched into within the European game? 
without qualifying for Europe as such, where you could actually bring fans from other clubs over, you know, try and make a weekend of it to come to Sligo Rovers, bring in the game, visit Sligo. Do you think there is, is there a way of maybe advertising that, getting that out there into this? Um, not really wording this properly. I, think. <laughs> I, think, I, get, I know what you mean. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Um, I don't think that Sligo Rovers as a team, because we are an extremely small team of, yeah. you know, full-time professionals. Um, I don't think we could add that to the slate because I think that's, a, again, a long, long, slow burner. Absolutely no issue with the concept of it. I think it's a great idea, but it's probably, was it Falcher, um, Falcher Island? Yeah. Or, yeah, they're the probably the sort of people that we might want to be speaking to. Um but just like a cycling tour or a whiskey tour or a beer tour, why not have the same thing? You know, you, you could swing into even taking in Galway and, and Finn Harps and whatever, you know, doing the Wild Atlantic football tour, for argument's sake. Yep. It, it's, it, there's no reason it can't be done. I guess it's it's about time. And back to what I said, you know, I I will work pretty long hours as a general rule. It's just in my DNA, but you've got to put as much time into things that are going to make immediate, uh, you know, what's urgent and important. Mm. That's what I need to focus on right now. And when we've got that time to get some breathing space and some calm, these are the sort of ideas that, yeah, why not look into it? But it, it takes, that will take time. Do you feel there's a branch though for sponsorship from in and around Europe as well to you know branch out of Ireland? I guess so. Yeah, I've. Um, I mean, first of all, there are a lot of international companies, not just in Sligo, but in Ireland, that would, I'm sure, given the right information incentive, potentially look at additional revenue uh, investments. I think there's also uh, an opportunity to look at their current sponsors that we have and say, right, you know, how do we give them something more? It's not just about the club getting money from people. It, it's, it's how do we engage with them better to get them committed, not just for, for short term, but for longer term and with, bigger and better funding as they grow. Now, it's already started with one or two conversations that we've had where people are looking at taking on two teams, for example, in the academy. Um, and that's, that's you know, that's not the same as sticking a brand on the back of our shirts in the men's first team. That's that's real commitment because the um, it's down to the, the club to be pushing the branding that they are committing to into the community again. And that comes with, again, exposure on social media and the like. Um, so, you know, it's, it, I'd like to get all of our sponsors together and sort of give them a thank you and, and, and try and get an arm around them and say, look, we really appreciate what you've done. This is, this is incredible. You've kept this club club going, but now let's kick on. What can we do for you? 
so that you can help us to, to raise more income. Um, these are all ideas and areas of, of enthusiasm, but ultimately you've got to get people to put their hand in their pockets and say, this is a worthwhile investment. There's a return on that investment. But certainly there are plenty of international companies, even in Sligo, um, and there are many untapped options, I'm sure. And Andy, finally, what would your message be to Sligo Rovers supporters? You're going to hate this. Patience, just trust. Not so much me, you don't know me yet, but I have spent a lot of time talking to a lot of people and from the management committee down to the volunteers, it's an incredible array of enthusiasm, commitment and talent. The importance of a community club is to be a community. Trust. Believe in those that are in a position of uh, of importance and making decisions and control. There is not one person that I've met that isn't making a decision that isn't for the benefit of the club. So that's why I say it's about patience. We all get frustrated following our football teams. Everyone does. Why the hell did they do this? Why the hell did they do that? Why did they buy him, sell her, whatever? You know, it. it there's always deeper information behind it. The information doesn't always get out or can't get out for whatever reason. I'm a great believer that, you know, if you trust people, you get a result at the end of it in most cases. There'll be the odd one that doesn't work out, but you get... Basically, if you trust people, they become engaged. When you're engaged, you're committed. When you're committed, you deliver. So that's what I'd say. Patience, trust. I have a great belief that the people in the club are making good decisions in the best of their knowledge to make things work. And I really hope that uh, what I've said today doesn't come back to bite me on the backside. Right, lads, final parts of this week's show now. We'll look ahead to two men's games ahead of us. Uh, busy weekend ahead, starting with Dundalk at home on Friday and then Pats away on the Monday. Um, Donal, like, you know, two games in the space of a few days is difficult. Start with the Dundalk game. Um, like, it's hard to know how how we will be after the, such an extended break we've actually had. Uh, impossible Ronan to uh, I suppose to see and I'd imagine uh, for the squad and for John it's very difficult to prepare for a game I mean it's just I suppose it sums up the the, the people that organise the League of Ireland like that you don't have a game for nearly nearly a month and then you have you have three games in eight days it's it's, it's beyond scandal it's been honest with you at, at this stage it's just a spare skill um, but anyway uh, yeah, look, big game against Dundalk. I don't know Dundalk. I suppose mathematically, I don't think they're out of the the the, the top four just yet, but uh, certainly it's going to be a struggle for them to get up there. Um, I just heard. No, I you, you just can't. I suppose you, you can't read too much into form, or you can't read too much into anything. It's just going to be. I hope it's going to be us. And Jerry, it's was the the factor of being at home. I know Friday evening we're not we're not used to playing at home on a Friday evening, but uh, certainly open to to get a good crowd in. Yeah, hopefully. Look, it's the penultimate game <laughs> of the season, so 
Uh, yeah, look, I know people say like, oh, it's been a shit season or it hasn't been a great season and all this and well, I can't wait for the season to be over. Fucking drives me insane. Absolutely drives me insane, people who say that. Because at the end of the day, you know, I guarantee you, I'll give you three or four weeks into the whole season, we'll all be dying for football to come back and we wonder what we were complaining about in the first place. So it's like something that you only miss it when it's uh, when you don't have it. So as bad as things are, yeah, look, it's the second last game. I'm not going to say that the P word again. It's the second last game of the season. Just get out there and fucking shout your head off. Get a bit of stress out of your system. And I think we've uh, a good chance of beating Dundalk. Uh, the more than ourselves have been very hot and cold this season. And don't look to Pats then on the Monday. Um it's never easy going up there, but we won the last time we were up there, uh, the Bengal on Monday. Um, I suppose it'd be hard to kind of manage the squad of, you know, who to who to play and, you know, to, we, we don't know what team's going to go out against Dundalk, obviously, but... Um, uh, look, I suppose it's we're, we're on the last, I suppose, literally the home straight we have, um, we have four games left in the season. So I'm sure there will be a couple of tired bodies and maybe a couple of lads carrying knocks into the game. But having said that, yeah, they still expect them. Like we're still not, I suppose, safe in the playoff place yet. So if from finishing in the second from bottom, so we like we still need to get a couple of points on the board just to, to I suppose, keep our destiny in our own hands, which is important, I think. And I think it's also very important for us to finish the season as strong as we possibly can. And I suppose maybe whet the appetite of of fans. For next season number one number two you need to see fellas that are like I suppose want to stay here uh, you want to see fellas fighting for new contracts and things like that as well I think that's hugely important for the last few games of the season and uh, you just I suppose you just want to see fellas like maybe right a couple of wrongs that have happened throughout the season so I know going away to Pats it's always Inchicore is always a really tough place to go to but I think that we have the capability we've we've caused them trouble earlier on the season um, be a hostile crowd up there, but I think we've enough in our arsenal as well to uh to come to leave and score with something. And Jerry, the prediction I'd ask you is how many points do we come away with from the two games in total? Uh, four, I think. I think we'll beat, I think we'll beat them, Dock, and draw a pot if not beat them. So I'm going from four, four to six points, and Donald. I'm sending out an SOS to Wes Charles to give us a scorecast in the two games. And whatever Wes, whatever Wes says, I'm I'm back to him because it's like he's crystal ball over there in St. Vincent's. He he knows the score. He knows the score. Uh, so no no prediction. Whatever Wes says, I'm 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 back him. Thank you, Jerry. Thanks, Ronan. Cheers, Donald. Cheers, Ronan. Cheers, Jerry. Cheers, Donald. Night, Mary Ellen. Night, Molly May. Jim Bob. <laughs> Jim Bob. Those thousands of Sligo people. I was proud. I went out and won. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Chilani. North. Elding. 3-2. They've been looking for Stenson's head away at the farmhouse. And over it comes Elliot. 